You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley, and before we get to the Oilers chat, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. And the best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings pools are free to play and easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is enter a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. Every day of the basketball playoffs, head to DraftKings Pools page to get your free shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And good news, Oilers fans, assuming you're tuning in on Tuesday, we are only one sleep away from playoff hockey. Returning to the City of Champions, the Oilers taking on the Winnipeg Jets. Game one of their best of seven series Wednesday night down at Rogers Place. Puck drop 7 o'clock. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, might I recommend TSN 1260 starting at 6. Tom Gazzola and myself will get you set up for game number one. Of course, TSN 1260 will have you covered throughout the day starting at 6 a.m. going to 6 p.m. One hour of pregame coverage, and then it all gets going. And if you're like me, if you're from the city, you can just tell when it's playoff time in Edmonton. I absolutely love it. There's car flags. You're seeing people wearing jerseys. They're wearing the hats. And uh, there's just a buzz in the city. So I am absolutely fired up for the Oilers to get things going against the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday evening. The Oilers, of course, practicing on Monday morning. And uh, Bob Stoffer from 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network putting out the projected lines for the Oilers going into this one. Top line, Dominic Cahoon, Connor McDavid, and Yessi Pugliarvi. Maybe not a whole lot of a surprise there with that top line. Obviously with McDavid and Yessi Pugliarvi, those two guys playing some good hockey right now. Dominic Cahoon, a really good opportunity to have some success here in the playoffs and uh, he's played with Connor McDavid a little bit in the past, and they looked okay. There was a little bit of chemistry there, so we'll see if that continues on into the playoffs. Second line, Leon Dreisettle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Kyler Yamamoto. A couple guys in Yamamoto and Ryan Nugent Hopkins who, you know, not playing bad hockey by any means, but just having a tough time putting the puck in the net five on five. They'll get an opportunity to rekindle the flame that they had with Leon Dreisaitl last year. And, uh, man, if that line gets going, watch out for the Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, that would really be a huge deal. Provide some secondary scoring, some depth there. We'll have to watch out and see what happens here with the so-called dry line, the nudie line, whatever you want to call it. The number two line for the Edmonton Oilers. Third line looking like it's going to be Shore, Kara, and Archibald. Definitely a line that can do some damage and, and you know, wear down the opposing team. And the fourth line, Chason, McLeod, James, Neal. Uh, for me, that's another line, you know, don't leak goals. Go out there, try to, you know, generate some offense. Any offense there you get, you're going to be satisfied with. So for the top 12 of the Edmonton Oilers, probably no huge surprises. Uh, maybe some people thought Tyler Ennis gets in there, and that could still happen. You know, we see it a lot in the playoffs. Things get shuffled around if you're not producing. So for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, we'll see what happens there. On the back end, Nurse and Barry, the top pairing. No surprise there. Kulikov, Larson. And then uh, Caleb Jones and Ethan Bear practicing together. That's what Bob Stoffer has as the projected lines. But we did see at practice on Monday that Slater Cuckoo getting back out there practicing with Ethan Bear. He played 17 minutes on Saturday in the loss to the Vancouver Canucks. We're not even going to get into that one because it didn't matter, and the Oilers came out of it healthy. So we'll move on from that one. But potentially Slater Cuckoo getting out there for the playoffs that would be interesting. I mean, 17 minutes played in Vancouver, like I said. Before that, he hadn't played since February against the Flames where he played like 14 seconds before suffering the injury. So 
you have to wonder about Russ getting back out there and, and seeing if that plays a factor, but uh, good for the Edmonton Oilers to have that depth, and obviously if Chris Russell is healthy, you got to think he gets back out there. you got to have that veteran presence. We know Dave Tippett likes that, and uh, Chris Russell, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. We'll monitor that situation as we get closer to the game time. On Wednesday, Mike Smith, obviously between the pipes, uh, guy has played absolutely outstanding, finding a way to do it at 39 years old. It's it's pretty impressive, and if you haven't heard Dave Tippett talk about him, uh, check out the Oilers' YouTube channel. Listen to Dave Tippett speaking on Monday and had some great words for his veteran goaltender. And speaking of great, we've got a great show coming up for you here on the Other Connor Podcast. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers with two members of the Don Wheaton on White postgame show, Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas, of course, both with TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, part of the Oil Stream podcast with Dustin Nielsen. Hernan Salas, a part of Two Guys and a Goalie with Dustin Nielsen as well. He's also got the Locked On Oilers podcast, which you can check out. Tom Gazzola's on Twitter, at Tom Gazzola. Hernan's at Hernan Demand. We're going to have a little bit of a roundtable talking about the Edmonton Oilers as they get set for their round one opponent in the Winnipeg Jets, and we're also going to go out to Winnipeg and talk to Jim Toth, covered the Winnipeg Jets for a long time, working with TSN, and he's going to share his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets, and what do they have to do to find a way to to pick up a serious win against the Edmonton Oilers? Of course, well-documented in the regular season that the Edmonton Oilers kind of had their way. Connor McDavid really playing phenomenal against the Jets, and to me, that's that's the big thing. What does Winnipeg do to slow down the top six of the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, Connor McDavid... Outstanding against the Jets this year. Leon Dreisaitl played very well also. And can the Jets' uh, depth on defense hold up? That's what we're going to find out. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck, pretty good goalie for the Winnipeg Jets. Could he steal a few games? Could he steal a series? We'll talk to uh, Jim Toth about that later on in the podcast. But let's get things going. Let's talk about those Edmonton Oilers with two of my good friends from TSN 1260. They are the Don Wheaton on White post-game show, which you can hear immediately following every Oilers game on TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas joining me now. How's it going, guys? First of all, um, the pre-game show is also present. I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> you are a major part of that pre-game show. Literally, without you, I could not do anything. So the pre- and post-game show is here. It's great to be here. And I just wanted to point that out. I'm sorry, Connor. This is we're off to a great start here. Well, yeah, I guess technically you're right, but I, I've been here. I am here. I just wanted to welcome you guys into the show. And uh, Hernan Salas is also here. Uh, another guy. I mean, we're, we're the guys back at the studio. Without us pushing buttons, it would be tough to do the show these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, always good joining uh, you, Connor and Tommy, and. Uh... You know, just getting ready for Wednesday, man. It's like the calm, the, the calm before the storm right now. Just watching some hockey, relaxing, and then uh, I think we, all three of us know that win or lose, the uh, pre and post games are going to be absolutely jacked up. Oh, absolutely! And uh, like you say, Hernan, it's not till Wednesday. So, I mean, so far, guys, we're taping this Monday evening. What's been your favorite series to watch so far? Start with you, Tom. The one I'm enjoying, and I'm literally watching it right now, is Boston-Washington. Just goals aplenty. Good to see Jake DeBrusque scoring after a tough rookie season. Always good. To, I remember when he was putzing around with Louie at Rexall Place slash the Coliseum, <laughs> and he was working his way up through Southside Athletic Club, and then he got to Swift, and then uh, finally to the NHL. So anytime he has success, I do a little fist pump. And uh, except for when we're working in the press box, that's a no-no. But yeah, that's the one I've been watching, and I, I want to give a little little love to that Golden Knights Wild series. I mean, my goodness, uh, the goaltending display that we witnessed. I mean, you expected it from Mark Andre Fleury, but Cam Talbot, you guys, my goodness, he's channeling 2017 here. <laughs> How about you, Hernan? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with uh, the, what we saw last night, Florida Tampa Bay. Like that game was awesome. It was. Uh, like after every whistle, there was a scrum. Like everyone was finishing their checks. That number ninety four uh, Lomberg or whatever his name is. Like I wanted to punch him in the face. See, that's how <laughs> annoying he was being. And uh, but it's great, man. And it's it's this. I talked to Tommy uh, earlier uh, this week, and we were la- kind of laughing. Like it's like to think that we are jacked up for a game in Florida. But, man, uh, the fans were great there. The energy was great. So that series has been uh, my favorite so far. But 
I'll be honest, Connor, I think every series so far has lived up to it, man. Like, I've enjoyed every game. Yeah, and I mean, the the fact that these teams have played so much throughout the season, seen each other so many times, there's that familiarity. I mean, these two teams meeting in the playoffs, obviously there's going to be some tension. Guys are going to be pissed off probably from something that happened, uh, maybe after a whistle, you know, back in like February or March or whatever it might be. So, you know, there, there's just that instant... Uh, I don't know, animosity between these teams. And hopefully we'll see that from the Oilers and the Jets when that gets going on Wednesday. Uh, guys, uh, we saw today at practice uh, the Oilers' lines listed. Slater Cuckoo causing a bit of a stir. Could he get into the into the game in the third pairing? Uh, what do you guys think happens? And it's, it's weird to start off with the Oilers' third pairing on defense, but whatever. That's where we're going to start off with. What do you think, Hernan? Yeah, I I kind of like it. I, I like this game on Saturday. I mean, he didn't look uh, rusty or anything like that. I like. Uh, I still remember him in the bubble playoffs, especially against the Oilers. I thought he was really good for a guy that I didn't know a lot about. Um, I thought up until his injury, he was really good as well. Uh, so, and, and I like that he has more experience than Caleb Jones. Um, he can kill penalties, and he's just kind of that safe, stay-at-home guy. He's not going to be too crazy with the puck and try to make plays that he, like, you know, like an offensive guy would make. So, I like it. I I know on Twitter today, and I I hate to keep bringing up Twitter, but. I know a lot of fans weren't too keen on that, but uh, I'll be honest. For me, it's Russell and Cuckoo ahead of Jones right now. And um, I know Dave Tippett said don't read too much into it, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if, if Cuckoo does start with Ethan Bear, Connor, you're going to hear no complaints from Hernan. I, I like the player. I think he can bring a little bit more than Jones in terms of experience. And uh, so I'm okay with it. Now, I do think all three guys that I've talked about, Russell, Cuckoo, and Jones, are all going to see action, uh, depending on how far they go. But I, I do expect them all to get some games in here. But I have no issues with Slater, Cuckoo, uh, Connor. I, I do like that uh, Dave Tippett's kind of thinking more of a veteran lineup. Um, that that goes a long ways in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for it. I have no issues. So for Slater Cuckoo, he played 17 minutes on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks in the loss. Before that, his last outing, February 20th, a game against the Calgary Flames where he played 14 seconds. Tom, are you okay putting him back in there for a playoff game? I mean, this is going to be full intensity. Do you think rust could play a factor? Yes, absolutely. First of all, <laughs> I, I know he gave a good solid 17 plus the other night, but it was a nothing game. I know he said in his very well thought out and articulate post game press, press conference that uh, he treated it as more than just a regular game, which is good. That's the right mindset to have. Now, what's interesting about Cuckoo potentially playing in the third pair in game one on Wednesday is the fact that it's not like the bubble scenario was much different for him because he was off for four months and they had one, you know, pre-qualifying round game to play and that was after practicing for a week and a half. So all of a sudden, fast forward to now, He's been practicing for a few weeks. He had one game to play that was meaningless. And he's back potentially into a playoff scenario. Quite familiar with this, which is bizarre to say, first of all. Secondly, if anyone can handle it, maybe Slater Cuckoo's the guy that can handle it. Now, I think the one thing we can glean from this rollout of lines and pairings that we witnessed this morning at practice is that veterans will get precedence over up-and-comers slash rookies a la Caleb Jones. And do I necessarily like it? Yes. Uh, I have always thought I'm kind of the traditionalist in in my hockey sense and thinking. Um, So, yeah, I I expected it. And then the other thing, too, guys, I'm with Hernan. Like, if Chris Russell's good to go, I think he's ahead of Slater Cuckoo as well. And it's quite likely the leash in that third-pairing left D role will be pretty short depending on the situation and how the games are going and that that, that was going to be my next question actually like let's say that chris russell is healthy he gets the spot i mean what do you need to see out of him does the team need to win if there's a loss do you automatically make that change like what keeps chris russell in the lineup because he is pretty steady let's start with a win and then the other thing is if he's not coughing up pucks and that that third pairing is just fine defensively and not giving up crazy chances or anything like that. I think that gets him into game two. 
Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Like it's it's like everybody knows what Chris Russell's gonna bring, right? Like it's it's not gonna shock anyone. Um so yeah, I I I've always been a Chris Russell guy. I, I haven't been with like the Mass this year where they don't like what he brings. I I think he's perfect for a playoff series in a in a tough one uh, that and just go back to last year. I know it was only four games we got, but he was probably one of the more steady guys. Like their top D-men all struggled last season. We all heard the stories that they weren't ready and they, they didn't come in in the greatest of shape. But Chris Russell, you know what you're going to get, man. He's going to all hard. He's going to block shots. He's going to do everything he can to keep that puck out of his own net. So how can you not like a guy like that, right? And of those three guys who could potentially slide in on that third pairing, do you think anyone, you know, just in terms of chemistry with Ethan Bear, is the best fit, Tom? Uh... You know, ideally, Caleb Jones would probably be because he's the biggest of those guys. Uh, he's the best skating of those guys. He's got probably the best stick handling ability and offensive skills, but he's just not there yet, right? His all-around game is just not there yet. So it's probably Chris Russell again. And and just due to the fact that he could be a calming president, presence, mm-hmm. he can bring that veteran leadership. Uh, he'll have to block a lot of shots, and and I think that's what puts Russell up ahead of uh, Caleb Jones again. Uh, Hernan, just look at the top lines here. It looks like you know if you base off practice today, uh, potentially McDavid, Pliarvi, Cahoon, and then you get the dry line, or you know as Cassie likes to call it, the nudie line. What do you think of the top yeah. six and uh, separating the stars against Winnipeg? Uh you know what? I I, I kind of like it. I um, uh, I, I just because listen, we all love McDavid and Drysaddle together, and, and they produce. But then you don't get a lot from the other lines when they're together. Now, if Tippett can go to that and at any point during the game, and he does throughout the game, so that's why I don't mind them apart because they're always going to find themselves playing a few shifts together. They play on the power play. So I like it. I mean, Dreisaitl, think about February, guys. Like, they're going to do really good in February, and McDavid and Dreisaitl barely played together outside of the power play. So I, I think if this team wants to go on a run, they're going to need, uh, you know, contributions from a lot of different guys. And I think the best way to do that is to have Dry on one line and McDavid on one line. And then if needed, or he, he gets that, that gut feeling that Tippett gets and he, he rolls with him in one period and they put up two goals and all fine and dandy. So I, I'm totally okay with it. And what an opportunity for Dominic Cahoon, eh? Like, <laughs> to start the playoffs on the top line with uh, McDavid and Jessica Yarvey, and then hopefully that dry line can find their stride like they did last season before the stoppage. So I'm okay with it, Connor. I, I, I think if you would have went with the two stars on the on the line, I'd probably be saying the same thing. I'd, I'd be just a tad more concerned about secondary scoring. So uh, I I don't mind them starting that way, and we'll see how, how the games go, right? Tom, what do you think of the Dominic Cahoon on the left wing on the top line there? Do you think that was the right pick, or do you think, uh, like we talked about with the defense, maybe a short leash there? Probably short leash, that's fair. But what if he ends up being sneaky good and pops a few offensively, you know, and, and continues this good play that he's kind of had towards the end of the year and benefits from playing with McDavid and Pugliarby? Then that's A-OK. And we know he's not going to get power play time, or if he does, it's just to mop up a bad power play from PP1, right? So I, I think if he can keep up, if he can create offensively, they can get some chances, he doesn't hurt them defensively, that's fine. And maybe he ends up being one of those underdogs that comes up with a, a good little playoff run. It's potentially there. Uh, on the flip side, it's potentially there that he ends up on the bench for game four or something like that. Like that's the, that's the double edged sword that is Dominic Cahoon, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think we talked about it a little bit. I don't even know all these shows blend together, but like Tyler Ennis potentially could be a fit if it doesn't work out there. Uh, Hernan, looking at that second line, is, is, do you think this is what Kyler Yamamoto needs to potentially get a goal or two? I mean, the guy just, you know, he's the definition of snake bit right now. Yeah, and, he play, and that's the thing. He's playing really good hockey. Like, he's 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 doing everything right. He's in the right spots. He just can't buy a goal. And and, and I know for a lot of people, this guy is kind of like, they're they're kind of not surprised, but kind of like he's going to pull off a Pisani this year as Yamamoto. So he's got all the tools, man. I mean, he's a small guy, but he works his butt off. He's not scared of anyone. He'll go into the tough areas. And, I mean, uh, playing with Nugent, Drysaddle, yeah, I, I expect Yamamoto to have a big series. 
I think he'll be just okay. And then, like I said, like I, I know the production's not there, but sometimes you have to. Sometimes you you just got to look at the other aspects of the game, and, and he's doing everything else right. So you know when a player like that is not cheating and and, and playing the game the right way, he's going to get rewarded uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, I mean. Nothing better than get going in the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers because he, if he can get some goals, Connor and Tommy, I mean that's going to be huge, huge for the Edmonton Oilers. Hey, there, there was ahead. sorry, Connor, really quickly. There was an interesting moment in practice today where they were doing like it was a high up tempo, quick pace practice where there was a little bit of extra zip on everything, and there was like a five on five drill where Yamamoto scored. Top glove on Koskinen, no surprise. And uh, <laughs> everyone saw it, and everyone started cheering and banging their sticks on the ice and against the, the boards and glass. So that was kind of an interesting moment where you're like, all right, they're trying to get this guy going, get him feeling good offensively. And I think that was a bit of an indicator towards that. And we'll see if it translates in this round here. Tom, so you're down at practice. You see this kind of stuff. I mean, is that a good sign to you? Like, hey, this at least they're having fun. It's a loose group going into game one. Yeah, loose, but like focus. Like they know. Like they 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 were there last summer. They were there four years ago, and so I think maybe now there's some understanding, and and that goes into the approach and the mindset mentality. Like. Yeah, okay, those small moments where they, you know, cheer on a guy um, shows you some level of looseness, but at the same time, like, they snapped right back into the next drill as soon as that whistle went. So it's going to be interesting. Now, they, they had a really quick, up-tempo, fast-paced, intense training camp going into the bubble and played terribly. So we'll see if if that is not the case this time around. <laughs> Her, yeah. How much how much do you think that is uh, like a motivation going into them for like looking back at what happened with Chicago? Obviously, you know, hosting the, the bubble and you know playing pretty well in the regular season, especially in the calendar year of 2020, to fall flat on your face against the Blackhawks probably not exactly the best feeling. But how much do you think they actually look back at that as motivation and you know looking to be prepared this time around? I, I think it's a lot, man. Like, cause that was embarrassing. I mean, you guys worked on the post game show, um, that night and you guys went, well, like how long? Because the fans were just furious. Two and a half. It's, it's just, yeah, it was like, it was like same old, same old, right? Like, uh, you get beat by, uh, I thought a lesser team in Chicago. They got out hit. They got out, uh, uh, out everything. Like the goaltender was better. The Oilers stars were horrible defensively in that game. And then they all made a point of saying they're going to work on their defensive game, and they have. I mean, is there room for improvement? Still, of course, but McDavid's been better. Dreisaitl's been better. Uh, Larson, like, what a turnaround, man. Like, this guy's become an absolute stud on the back end for the Edmonton Oilers. Darnell Nurse took that next step. So I think that that loss and, 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 and you know, the way the fans and the media reacted and, and – as much as they want to say they don't hear that, I'm sure they did, especially here in Edmonton. And they want to show the, the hockey world that they're a different team. And when you have the best player in the world and another guy in the top five, like you got to be better than what they showed in those four games against Chicago. So I, I, I think you're going to see a whole different team they, uh, this playoffs. I think the winners are going to go all out. They're going to, they're going to be together as one and, and, and just stick together in this one. Cause in that four games, man, oh, that was disappointing. <laughs> Every game I thought they'd get better, and it, it just got worse. So uh, I think the Oilers have learned a lot. And, and you learn a lot from losing, though, right? You, you got to always take your lumps when you're starting to become a playoff team. The Oilers took one uh, last season. So I'm not saying they're going to go all the way now. Like uh, they're, they're probably going to have to drop a few more series before they, they really get to that playoff, uh, sorry, Stanley Cup contender. But I think last year is, is a big motivation for this team. Now, Hernan, you mentioned that, and like talking about it after last year, we have to improve defensively. Uh, you guys have both mm-hmm. been doing the post game shows. Uh, we'll start with you, Tom. But do you think they've improved their game enough to win a couple rounds when it comes to overall team defense? Overall team defense, without question, is better. Whether or not that wins them another round or two or a round, that's you know something we're going to be watching for hey what'll be interesting is how they generate momentum how they push back when momentum is going against them and the jets have momentum i think those moments in games will tell us 
and give us an idea of where they are on the maturation scale. And, and that's, to me, the big one uh, in regard to that. So, you know, yes, they're better defensively. Yes, they got better five-on-five. Five. Yes, their goals against were better and, and all of that. And that should help them in theory. Um, and I think in the playoffs, though, it's it's those moments. Do you rise at the right time when things are up against you or you're up against it and, and it's it's coming at you at a million miles an hour? Do you find a way to turn the tide? And, and I think that's what playoff hockey is all about is the big moments. How do you handle them? We'll see. And, and you know, they've put themselves, Connor, offensively, defensively, and goaltending in a pretty damn good position to potentially uh, create that momentum to do damage and make noise in this postseason. Guys, well, guys, uh, guys, uh, Connor, sorry. I just want to ask, like, for you guys, like, it, it, if the winners are balanced in the first round with the same seven games, is that a failure in your eyes? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. I was just for if it's two straight years, and you know, I mean, I think if there's, yeah. you know, if it's in seven games and it's it's highly contested, maybe some people can find the positive in that. But no, for me, if they if they lose this round, I think it's a big failure. Especially you know, coming off last year, you've got the two top goal scorers in the league, you've got the top yeah. defenseman in the league, you've got a goaltender who's playing some of the best hockey of his career. If they're not able to get out of the first round, I I would say it's a huge disappointment. You you dominated Winnipeg all season. I know the playoffs are a different beast, and everybody's starting at zero. That's fair. But you have no reason not to get out of this first round, at least. And that's nothing against Winnipeg, because they're a very good team. But with everything and the way it's going, you should get past them. And if you don't, we're going to have a long off season of talking about what's wrong with the character of this team. Oh, oh it'll be a man. long summer for us on TSN 1260, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh Hernan, earlier on you talked about Kyler Yamamoto as a guy who could potentially kind of come in here and have that Fernando Pisani type role, you know, get hot, score a couple goals. Of course, Pisani back in 2006, 14 goals in 24 games. Uh, outside of Pisani, is there anyone you think, Hernan, that could kind of get on a run here and, and you know, maybe put up some points here and surprise us for the Oilers? I don't know if going on a run, but I think a guy that's going to be impactful for this team, whether it's, it's just hitting or whatever it's Josh Archibald I I think this guy has everything to be that kind of player he he's a small guy but he hits everything uh he can kill penalties he's got some skill he can score and he can moonlight in your top six so this guy for me is like Mr. Everything so I I I don't think he's gonna go on a heater and 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 put up Pisani like numbers but I do think he's gonna be uh, a big part of the order success so for me Josh Archibald is a guy I'm looking at in the bottom six that's going to make a big impact for the Edmonton Oilers. How about you, Tom? Forget Fernando Pizzani. It's all about who's this year's Mark Latestu, and I'm going to take a flyer <laughs> yeah. on Dominic Cahoon. I like you for making it a little bit more modern. The whole Pisani thing's been kind of played out. Who's the? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Latestu was well, great that year. There's only been two playoffs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's either Pisani or Latestu, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom yeah. made it about, it about as modern as he could, so I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Tom Gazzola, Hernan Salas joining me here. Uh, they are the Don Wheaton on White post-game show together. You can also get Tom... All over the place. The Oil Stream Podcast. You can hear him on the Jason Greger Show Monday through Friday on Twitter. Tom Gazzola, Hernan Salas on the Locked on Oilers Podcast, as well as Two Guys in a Goalie and Twitter at Hernan Deman. I think I got that correct. Uh, guys, a couple more questions for you here. Tom, we'll start off with you. The Edmonton Oilers win this series if you can fill in the blank. If they continue to play like they did to close out the season and dictate the pace and number 97 in orange and blue and number 29 in orange and blue do what they do best Hernan same question yeah for me it's simple it's just avoid what happened last year defensive lapses uh, you know not no willingness to compete to go to the tough areas I want to see a different Edmonton Oilers team I want to see the team we saw this year man like that's it like just don't don't revert back to what we've seen the last couple of seasons. That's uh, I think the Oilers, if they play like they did for most parts this year, they're going to be just fine. And now, uh, Tom, back to you on the flip side. This has to happen for the Winnipeg Jets to win. Uh, <laughs> they're going to need balanced scoring, uh, come at the Oilers in wave after wave, 
And most importantly, the defense is going to have to stand tall, which is something that they don't have the benefit of possessing. And that's uh, outside of Logan Stanley being really big guys. They're not the biggest D. So uh, they're going to have to play above and swing above their weight class on the blue line to, to win this series. Nanzo? Yeah, uh, find a way to stop Connor and Leon. <laughs> I know it's easier. To say, I, I know that's the easy one, but the, in the last six games, the Oilers' big dogs dominated them. Uh, and, and everybody talks about the Oilers are just those two guys and they don't have secondary scoring. Well, if you shut down those two guys, your chances of winning are probably going to go up significantly. So if Pionk or Morrissey or whoever's going to go out against those guys, uh, if they can do a good job and, and kind of did what Montreal did to them during the season, I think Winnipeg has a really good chance of stealing this series. Tommy, who do you think grows the worst playoff beard? Caleb Jones. <laughs> Does, did he have the stash today at practice? Is that true? Yeah, it was pretty greasy. It was like a mousy kind of... It's probably worse than mine, which is sad because mine's really bad, although I'm, <laughs> I'm quite a bit older than him, which is just sad for me. And then, you know, a close second, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hernan, you got any wild cards in that category? Well, I was going to go with Nuge, but that one's pretty bad. Uh, how about Josh Archibald? He looks like he can't grow... <laughs> much of the facial hair there. He always got the the, the, must, the Nuge mustache as well, so I'll probably go with Josh Archibald. <laughs> you think, and Kara and Mike Smith, probably the best? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They're looking pretty greasy. Okay, final question for you guys. Uh, Lar- uh, Larson, too. Larson. Yeah, he's yeah, he's got kind of the red one. He can pull that off. Uh, last question for you guys. I appreciate you doing this as usual. Uh, i got to get your prediction as of Monday night at uh, 6.51 p.m. Mountain Time. Obviously, this could change beforehand, but, uh, Tommy, what do you think happens in this series? Um, Winnipeg plays much better than they did to close out the season, but it's not enough. They get two wins, Oilers and six. And Hernan? Yeah, I think it's done in six as well. I I think I oh yeah, I think yeah yeah yeah. I don't think it'll be a quick series, so I'm gonna go Oilers in six. I think they get it done. Uh, I like it. Let's hope it happens. And uh, maybe if you guys are willing, we can do this again heading into the second round. I really appreciate it, and uh, thanks again for hopping on. Thanks, Connor. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Great stuff, as always, from Tom Gazzola and Hernan Salas, the Don Wheaton on White postgame show. You can hear that on TSN 1260 after every Oilers game. Also, Matt Cassian, a part of the program. Those guys doing great things. Hernan's on the Locked on Oilers podcast. Two guys in the goalie. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Hernan Demand for Tom Gazzola. You can hear him daily on the Jason Greger show. He's on the oil stream with Dusty Nielsen. And you can give him a follow also at Tom Gazzola. And a uh, real fun conversation with those guys Hopefully we can do it again. You know, you got the round one round table. Hopefully for the Edmonton Oilers, we get a round two round table and, you know, we'll go from there and see what happens. But I appreciate their time as always. And now we got to take a look at the other side. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, they're in this series too. They want to win it. So let's, let's go out to Winnipeg and talk to Jim Toth, formerly of TSN, cover the Winnipeg Jets for a long time. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well at Jim Toth Sports. Jim, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks, Carl, for having me. I'm doing great. I hope uh, you're doing well, too. And uh, I think as most people at Edmonton Winnipeg, really looking forward to this series. It's intriguing. Absolutely. And, I mean, the games we saw this year to start off the year were a lot of fun. Uh, for the gamblers out there, I know you're probably taking the over because there seem to be a lot of great uh, a lot of great offensive matchups here, and I'm sure that will continue into the playoffs. But uh, first things first, Jim, I mean, the Jets have dealt with some injuries this season, and it's kind of continued uh, into the last few weeks here. Uh, can you give us an update on who's going to be in, who's going to be out for the Jets as they're set to take the Oilers on Wednesday night? Yeah, well, I can tell you as of Monday, both Nick Ehlers and Andrew Kopp and, and uh, Paul Sazny, all who uh, sort of have, well, Ehlers has been out for a while, but Sazny in the last game uh, and uh, took an optional off the day prior on the Sunday. But basically all the guys that have been banged up or injured uh, seem to be trending towards starting it. Now, of course, it's playoff time and Paul Maurice isn't going to tip his hat too much. And, and this is a city where I don't know if Edmonton's the same, but when the head coach says day-to-day, I, I think you and I are more day-to-day than some of the players that get the day-to-day. It often turns into week-to-week or month-to-month. Um, but the one that raises an eyebrow for me is Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I'll start with the Nick Ehlers. He's been skating for a while. He's still in a non-contact. Um, I believe it's a shoulder injury from what I've been informed of. So uh, not one that required surgery or anything like that. So he's probably going to be playing through some pain, but I, I would expect him to be dressed for game number one, and, and if not, probably early, early in this series. 
Uh, Stasny looks like he just got banged up on Friday against Toronto. Left the ice twice, and the second time didn't come back, but he was up there again today. So I think those guys are all going to be in the lineup. The one that raises an eyebrow to me, surprisingly even more than Nick Ehlers, is Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, he hasn't skated for two days. He hasn't been on the ice, even in a non-contact. And um, from what I saw from the injury in Friday's game, I, I think it looked to be like a, uh, he was in the high slot and he just went to turn somehow and then pulled up right away and gingerly skated off. So that's a concern to me. Now, if he's not on the ice tomorrow, I'm, I'm a little more doubtful, but I am a little doubtful right now that Pierre-Luc Dubois sees the start of this series. Um, but that's all the insight I have for you right now. So I guess if you're an Oiler fan, that makes you happy. Um, probably doesn't make you happy about Ehlers and, and Stasny. Um, but that's what I think. If I had to put money on it on Monday, and I know we have two days and 48 hours is an eternity in the NHL, but I think everybody's in that lineup except for maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. Unless he hits the ice tomorrow, I, I don't see him starting the series, but everybody else looks to probably be trending towards that way. Now, the roster in the final game of the season for Edmonton fans and, you know, in our in our business, talking about should they play the superstars, will they play, that was a huge topic going into Saturday's game for the Oilers. Now, for the Jets, was it the same thing going up against the Leafs on Friday? Yeah, it was, actually. And, and I think Paul Maurice said it, and I don't know how truthful he was, but I believe him. I, I think he sort of left it up to the players. Like, Connor Hellebuck was one that adamantly wanted to play the game and get a rhythm, especially with so many days off in between. You know, when Stasny left and, and came back and then left again, a lot of people were questioning, why do you ever come back? But I think you leave it up to the players. I mean, it's all about what they feel comfortable with. And I think if there wasn't this much of a gap from a Friday night to a Wednesday series starting, like maybe if the game was Sunday or even Saturday, maybe those guys don't play. But, but I think when it's four or five days, guys want to get a game in and, and – um, have a rest day and then spend three days preparing. So it wasn't as hotly talked about here. Andrew Kopp didn't play in the game, and, and we didn't know he was on a, a sports talk show here, Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Today, and just said, I was banged up a bit and just wanted to get healthy. So, you know, they, I think it was up to the players, and, and they did what was best for them. Um, but, I, I mean, I watched that Oilers game too, and I know Connor McDavid, you know, had the assist and uh, in that final game, and I thought to myself, why is he even playing? But, hey, I mean, you, you, they're no different than any other player. It's not so much what you're risking if they get injured in a nothing game. It's more about how are you going to be your most optimal when a series starts. And if they feel it is by playing, then uh, I think you let them play. But I think the leash was a, a lot less, and, and I don't know what that last game for the Oilers, but here Paul Maurice called it a skater, and that's what it was against Toronto. There was not one hit handed out in that game between the Leafs and the Jets, and it was a skater up and down. So, um, you know, it, it was a question mark going this town more so after than prior, Connor, just because of the injuries to Stasny and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And maybe it'll be a bigger topic if Dubois can't literally start this series from a nothing game. But then again, I mean, there's a player that's looking to find his game since the trade. He's been sort of a missing link in them trying to find a home. And if he wanted to get a game in and feel more comfortable, I, I think you do it because he was a guy that's sort of struggling to find his identity here. So I wouldn't question playing those guys, but I understand you know, the, the tables turn when you have a McDavid or a dry side on why that would be questioned. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a big debate almost for a couple of weeks, actually, leading up to it. Should they play in those last few games? And obviously, do for Connor McDavid, you think he played 15 minutes, five of which were on the power play. And like you said, no hits thrown. Uh, kind of just a skate out there. Now, I got to ask you up here, Luke Dubois, of course, like you said it there. I mean, he does need to get as much time with the new team as possible and miss some time with injury uh, earlier on this year. Like how has he developed in a, you know, the, how's the chemistry been with this team as the season's gone on? Well, you know, it's, it's bizarre because he's clearly, and, and I don't know how much to play into the situation of getting out of Columbus. He was ecstatic to be here. Like he was, you know, not that I, we all know that he wanted to change, but he was so happy. And then he had to sit for 14 days. And then he had to come into the lineup. And, you know, he's had some really good games. He had a game in Vancouver where he had the overtime winner. And, and I'll say this, the last two games, he's looked like himself. Like that, put the shoulder down, drive down the boards, into the front of the net, and try to make something happen. He's been more physical. But I also think he has struggled immensely in, in trying to find a, a spot for him. I, I wasn't trading Patrick Laine. I mean, I knew that he wanted out. And so I knew there was a trade coming. Um, I don't know if I would have done it this season until Pierre-Luc Dubois came available. And then I was all over that. Like, this team has looked for some center depth and strength. That's why they drafted Cole Perfetti for years. And I really think after this season going forward, Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be a massive part of this team. And I like the trade. 
But that being said, I am even a little shocked at how how difficult it's been for him to fit in. And and I wonder, you know, we hear a lot about the north-south game compared to the east-west, the physicality parts of it. Um, sometimes he's even where he fit in the most, ironically, I thought was on the wing. And, and that's that game in Vancouver I was talking about. They put him up with Shifley and Wheeler on the left wing. And that was right when he was coming back from an injury. He was quarantined, played two or three games, had an injury, missed three or four. And then I believe he came back. I'm probably a little bit off on those exact game numbers, but came back and, and had a really good time on the wing. He's going to be a center going forward, but right now, for this year and this playoff run, I think they're just trying to find a place, and he could be on the wing if that's where they find the more success. But it has raised an eyebrow, but then again, I'm reminded, like, he's 22, and I know he was in the same draft year as Line A, but, but he wasn't in the NHL as soon, and um, I just think he's finding his way. I think he's going to be a great fit here going forward, and long-term will be down the middle. But I, I think that they're, you know, even themselves, the Jets are, are wondering, you know, where they can get this guy comfortable in that plane as is most optimal. But that being said, I did like his last two games. I, I thought he got back to that dominant physical force and a little bit of nastiness to him that we saw in the playoffs last year when he uh, and Columbus helped out Toronto. Now, I will say, Jim, that, I, you know, I've talked to a few Oilers fans, some of my friends, and the Oilers fans are confident going into this series just based on what they saw in the regular season, but there's that little bit of doubt because you have Connor Hellebuck there in between the pipes, a guy that I'm sure can steal a series. I mean, what are your thoughts on the way he's played this year, and do you think that should be a real fear for Oilers fans? Well, I think it should be, but I get uh, here's the other part of it. Like, I, There's a big divide in this city. of Everybody's all in on Connor Hellebuck, and I am too. Don't get me wrong. I shouldn't say all in, but they believe in him. But in his playoff experience, he's been good, but he hasn't stolen a series yet. Like, he hasn't just, you know, if a series were six, seven games, you look back and go, man, those two games, if it wasn't for Connor Halibut, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have won this series. Now, that being said, he's been very good, and this could be the year. Maybe that's what all their fans are worried about, too. Maybe they're sitting there going, he's won a Vesna. He's been so good in the regular season. He's been good in playoffs before, but maybe this is the one he stands on his head. All I can say is he's determined. He said literally, I believe it was yesterday or today, all I think about anymore is the Stanley Cup. I don't think about stats. I don't think about – I just think about winning in the playoffs. So he's dialed in and focused for this. So I think anytime you have a Vezina tr- Trophy winning goaltender coming at you in a series, it's a concern that he might steal it for you. If there's any sort of, I guess – you know, things the other fans can look to is he hasn't yet, but that doesn't mean he hasn't played well in the playoffs. It just means he hasn't stood on his head and stole one. But he's very capable of that. And I, I think any fan base is facing a goalie that could literally, on paper and off in game, steal a series, be concerned about it. So I get that trepidation about it. And that's really one of the reasons I'm leaning a little bit towards the Jets in this series. It sounds ridiculous. I know we're probably going to get into that more, but... The Oilers dominated the Jets this year, so it seems ridiculous to pick them in that way. But I am the most shocked thing about this season series to me from both teams is the play of Mike Smith. Uh, I just thought Mike Smith has been unbelievable for the Oilers this year. And I hate to do this to him because he's played so well and had such a uh, rejuvenation of his career this season. I just, if you ask me which goalie I picked going in, and as good as he's played, I still pick Connor Hellebuck. So. I guess I understand the trepidation from some others fans, and I think it's legitimate anytime you have a Vezina Trophy goalie coming at you. Honestly, that that's a really good point. And we had a, that conversation on one of our pregame shows. Like, yeah, Connor Hellebuck has a track record, but Mike Smith is playing so well right now. Who'd you rather take between the pipes if it was your call? And it was kind of 50-50. Like, there's still a lot of Oilers fans that know just how good Connor Hellebuck can be, and I think they took off the Oilers' goggles. So, I mean, that's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. And I mean, I pr- you, look, you look at Jordan Biddington, eh? It's not like yeah. it's that far removed from a guy just getting hot at the right time. And not that Jordan Biddington's a bad goalie, but with no experience and the big quote, do I look nervous? And I said to myself, yeah, you do, Jordan. But give him credit. You know, Mike Smith in 56 games, he's been real good throughout this season. So he could steal a series too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it could happen. I think, you know, whoever gets the better goaltending performance, obviously it's going to go a long way uh, for them to win this series. Now, looking at the, the Jets roster, obviously we know they have got the usual suspects, Kyle Connor, you've got Shifley, Wheeler, Stastny, and Dubois, you know, obviously depending on health. But is there anyone you think the Oilers need to watch out for, someone who could be kind of a sneaky playoff performer? Well, I was going to say Dubois, but I don't know if he'll play because I thought if he could just put it all together. And, and realistically... 
I, I like Pierre-Luc Dubois as a player, but he never really grabbed my attention until that playoff run last year where he single-handedly in one game ousted the Oilers. So I was going to say him. I think Paul Stastny could be that guy if Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't in the lineup. And I know people go, well, he's a star, but look, the difference makers on this team are Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers. We all know that. If I was going to pick two players, if I could, I would go Paul Stasny. I think his experience, I think his depth, I go back to two seasons ago, he was a difference in the Nashville series that went to seven games. He just, in game seven, you know, made some plays and, and got some points that, that set them rolling. I think he could be the difference. And then, I look, Neil Pionk has played Connor McDavid so well this year, but I'm going to bring up the name Josh Morrissey. Josh Morrissey came onto the scene big time. I thought him and Neil Pionk both got it taken to him in that Calgary series last year, physically everything else. I think they have some experience to him. Josh Morrissey, I think, is a player that can be a difference maker. I think both defensively and potentially putting up some points. Second power play, but maybe that sneaky guy that, you know, adds some points. He's a really intelligent player. So if I was going to pick two that maybe aren't on the forefront, um, I would pick Stasny and Josh Morrissey. But I think Stasny has been real good for this team on and off the ice this year, and I think he could be, be a difference maker. Now, he's in the top six most likely. So I'm really interested about this third line. They've had a great year. Lowry, Kopp, uh, I think that those guys could, could be the difference. Because if I'm going to pick someone in this series, Connor, I go towards depth, and I really like what Connor or Kopp and Lowry have bought. So there's a couple names for you, but if I had to pick just one, I guess I'd go Stasny. If I could pick two, I'd go Morrissey. Hey, you can name as many as you want. I'm all good with that because, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. I know the Jets team, uh, they've got a few of those players. Uh, just one, well, I guess a couple more questions for you. And I know you mentioned Neil Pionk and the job he did against Connor McDavid, and that was evident in the first couple games. I thought he was unreal against him. did, you know, maybe the best job I've really seen someone do against Connor McDavid to slow them down. But what do you think the game plan is as a whole? And, you know, the way it's looking, it's looking like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl will be on separate lines doing their own thing. So how do you think you try to slow those two down? Well, you know, I, I, you're not going to stop them. And, and I, I don't even know if that's possible to put on your resume. You did a pretty good job against Connor McDavid because Pionk did, but he still lit the Oilers <laughs> up for two points, or the Jets up for two points per. Um, so it, that's, that's kind of funny. You just, I, look, are they going to be as destructive come playoff time? I, I don't know because they've been so destructive. So that's, in a way, a backwards compliment. I think the game plan for the Jets is, and during that losing streak of seven games, the one thing that sort of snuck into the comments, because I give the team, the players, and the coach, Palmer's a lot of credit for not shying away from saying, hey, we're struggling. We're in it right now. We're this. When they beat Calgary, came home and lost, and they won three of the last five, they talked a lot about come playoff time, this is how it's going to be. And everybody was going, where's the goal scoring? And even I was going, look, when Ehlers comes out, like, where's the Shifley's and the Connors stepping up? And Connor, I think, went six, seven games without a point, let alone a goal. I think they have a plan to worry about defense first and the offense to come from that. Now, that might seem ridiculous, but this is a team that has not been good analytically, has not been good defensively for two seasons now. They get their scoring off the rush. I think they're going to worry more about defense. I think they're going to focus on that. And, and Andrew Kopp is saying today in one big sports talk, you're not going to stop them. But it's not up to me or Lowry. It's up to a five-man unit. And I think they've come up with a plan. If it's going to work or not, I don't know. But they, I think that's the sort of the focus for them is to sort of come in and go, look, if there comes a point where we have to win a game 6-4, then, then maybe we'll do it. But our focus going into this is winning games 2-1, 3-1, letting Connor Halbuck help us out, and just limiting the damage against us. So that's another reason why I'm so fascinated by this series, because I think the way the Oilers and the Jets played in the regular season isn't going to be the way the Jets play them this postseason. Is it going to work? I don't know, but I'm really intrigued to see it. So final question for you then, Jim. I know you're intrigued. I'm intrigued. How do you think this series plays out? Well, you know what? It, you know, first of all, I'm going to ride the fence by saying if either team wins, it wouldn't surprise me. But when I looked at it over the weekend, and, and it seemed ridiculous because the Oilers took it to them 7-2, and even some Jets fans here, I tweeted out today my picks, and I took the Jets in six. Um, I, I just think that, you know, it, they're going to be destructive, McDavid and Dreisaitl. I just don't know about the depth. Like, is Yamamoto going to have a series and put up five or six points? Can Puyarvi do that? Um, can Chase on? Can Kara? 
I just don't see it when it comes to the Cop, the Lowry's, the, the Ehlers, the Connors. Like, there's just more depth up front. Now, I like the mobility of the Oilers' defense. We all know they're one of the highest-scoring ones, so that could be the difference, too. But when it comes down to playoff hockey, to me, I look at depth. I think your second and uh, secondary scoring, like your third line, makes the difference, and I think your goaltending does. So I think there's ways to, to – and I don't even have to convince myself that either team could win this series. I think it's going to be close, but I think it's going to be six. And I'm, I'm just going to go with the Jets because I honestly believe there's more pressure on the Jets. I just think that the Oilers, they're there and they got to get stuff done and they've had a really good season. They got knocked out in the bubble and they bounced back like that. The Jets have been knocked out two years in a row. And I think that for this veteran core and the depth they have, they realize this is a big season. So I've got the Jets in six. I'll stand by that. I just think the depth and the goaltending will be the difference, but it's going to be close and it wouldn't surprise me. And, and I know a lot of people are already on me here in this town, even going, how can you possibly pick them after what the Oilers have done in this season? But I think it's a different season. It's a different style. Um, but, hey, if there's a coach I think that could come up with a counter, it's Dave Tippett. So I think it's going to be a really good series. Oh, well, we're all looking forward to it, Jim. Uh, Wednesday night should be fun. And uh, thanks again for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And feel free to take it to me on Twitter if the Oilers win game one 6 nothing. <laughs> oh, I might mention it just a little bit, but nothing too serious. Jim, okay, all the best, Connor, and I hope you and all the listeners enjoy the series. I know you will, and I think it's going to be a great one. I appreciate you doing this. Take care, Jim. Anytime. Bye-bye. Excellent stuff from Jim Toth. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Toth Sports. Covers the Jets out in Winnipeg. And how about that prediction? Jets in six. I think he and I are going to disagree on that one. I'm not going to chirp him on Twitter. I mean, if the Oilers win, I did nothing. So I won't chirp him. But my prediction, I think the Oilers win in six. I'm going to go with Hernan Salas and Tom Gazzolo. So three to one in favor of the Oilers winning this one in six games. I think just for the Jets. It's going to be a tough task to slow down Connor McDavid in a best-of-seven series. The way he's playing right now, I think he's going to lead the Oilers to victory. Mike Smith's playing solid. you got Leon Dreisaitl, Barry Nurse, the second line there, uh, Dreisaitl, Nuge, and Kyler Yamamoto. I think big things happen for those guys in this series. So I got the Oilers winning in six. Let me know, though, at Connor Halley on Twitter. We can uh, get your predictions and see what happens. But it all gets going Wednesday night down at the Ice District Oilers Jets Game 1, Round 1 of the Stanley Cup Playoffs, of course. Pre-game coverage, 6 o'clock on TSN 1260 with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself. Uh, realistically, though, if you want coverage on this game, just tune into to TSN 1260 on Wednesday at any point. I mean, we're going to be talking about it all day. It's a big one. It's the Oilers back in the playoffs. Uh, in this series, they will meet again on Friday then again on Sunday and Monday. So on Friday's edition of the Other Connor Podcast, we'll recap whatever happens on Wednesday night and we'll set up game number two. I hope you tune into that one and want to thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the show. Big thank you to our guests, Tom Gazzola, Hernan Salas, and Jim Toth. Big thank you to the sponsors, Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. If you are signing up for DraftKings, use promo code THPN. It unlocks a bunch of great deals. I highly recommend you do so and you'll have a lot of fun when you play on DraftKings. That's going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.